Tired of fighting your kids to make their bed? Say hello to Betty's. The unique design lets your kids make their bed with just a zip. Our patented bedding includes everything you need, a fitted sheet, top sheet, and comforter in one seamless piece that zips together. Kids love the feeling of accomplishment when they can make their bed by themselves every day. Make your mornings easier and visit Betty's.com. That's B-E-D-D-Y-S dot com. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Hello and welcome to the Nutrition Diva podcast. I'm your host, Monica Reinagel, and I'm joined today by my friend and my colleague, Tamara Duker-Froyman. Longtime listeners of the podcast will remember Tamara from several previous episodes, most recently on clearing up the confusion around so-called leaky gut syndrome. But Tamara is my go-to expert on all things digestive. She's a registered dietitian. She's based in New York City, and she's a nationally known expert on nutrition therapy for gastrointestinal diseases. Her first book was called The Bloated Belly Whisperer, and she has a new book out this month, April 2023, and it's called Regular, The Ultimate Guide to Taming Unruly Bowels and Achieving Inner Peace. Welcome back to the podcast, Tamara. Thank you, Monica. It is so good to have you. Okay, so you're suggesting here that being regular is actually the key to achieving inner peace, which may sound like an exaggeration, but the truth is that chronic constipation really can have a huge impact on somebody's quality of life, and a surprising number of people seem to struggle with this. Why is that? I mean, this seems like a really straightforward process. Food goes in one end of the tube, and eventually it comes out the other end of the tube. So what is going wrong here? Right. So a lot of things can actually go wrong along the way from the food going in your mouth to a formed, perfectly moist, bulk, bulky stool that gets to the exit before it gets too dried out. And then all the muscles and nerves that have to coordinate to allow a stool to pass from inside to outside have to coordinate exactly properly for that to happen. Um, and so a lot of things can impact either the form of the stool or the transit time of the stool or the muscle coordination that allows the stool to pass. And anything that goes long, wrong along any of those dimensions could actually result in irregularity or in this case, constipation. Wow, you're right. There is a lot that can go wrong there. And you didn't even mention anything about diet and lifestyle, which is usually all we hear about. If you're constipated, you hear that you need to eat more fiber, you need to drink more water, and that didn't even make your top list here. Well, so what I would say is that, you know, diet and lifestyle and, and fiber in particular do influence sort of the form of the stool and the transit time of the stool and making it to the exit door. And so certainly um, how much fiber you eat or the type of fiber you eat would influence um, the likelihood that your stools are going to be small and hard or big and bulky or that they're going to kind of whiz through you at a pretty nice clip or whether they're going to take their time, you know, inching their way towards the exit. So absolutely diet and, and fiber in particular do influence that 
a lot. Um, but, you know, the idea around just eating more fiber being sort of like the simple solution to constipation, I think, is really over uh, overstated um, because not all constipation responds well to eating more fiber. There's a lot of people who eat quite a bit of fiber. They've gotten the memo on the fiber um, and they're doing it and they're eating it and they're still super constipated. Or sometimes um, in certain cases, eating more fiber makes their constipation worse and not better. And so if it were only as simple as eat more fiber, then people like me probably wouldn't have a job. (laughs) Right. Well, you know, this reminds me a little bit of the situation with insomnia. So if you're struggling to fall asleep or stay asleep and you go online and ask Dr. Google, you're quickly going to come across a list of practices known as sleep hygiene. And they're Well, you're going to run into the same ones everywhere. You're not supposed to have caffeine after a certain hour. And there's also timing for exercise. And the room has to be dark and cool and no screens and, you know, the whole thing. And if you just do all of that, it's supposed to solve the problem. And yet I hear from so many people who have memorized and implemented all of the sleep hygiene tips, but they still struggle. And By the same token, if you were to just take the usual advice on constipation, the same could be the case for you. Yeah, I think it's actually the perfect analogy. And I see it most in uh, people who have something called pelvic floor dysfunction, which um, we estimate accounts for 40% or even more of cases of chronic constipation. And so for something so prevalent, I bet a lot of your listeners probably have never even heard of it. But pelvic floor dysfunction is when certain of the muscles that are required to coordinate properly for defecation are not coordinating properly. They're too tight. They're too lax. They contract instead of relax, you know, at different phases of the process. And it makes it very difficult for you to pass a stool and certainly to pass one completely. And so when somebody comes to me and they've done all the, like, I guess, the analogy is the poop hygiene. They drink eight cups of water a day and they're eating a high fiber diet and they're exercising and getting sleep and they're doing all the things and like literally nothing is coming out of them. We will always start to sort of ask and probe around like, do they sound like someone who could have a pelvic floor dysfunction? In other words, you're doing everything right, but the muscles that kind of govern the back door exit are just not allowing the stool out. Um, And so it's, I think, a perfect analogy for certain cases of constipation. Well, and in that case, I could imagine that just continuing to increase the amount of fiber you're eating might only not help. It could actually make it a lot worse. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, if more fiber in only works if it causes more fiber to come out. (laughs) But if you're putting more fiber in and nothing is coming out, you know, at the end of the day, you're just like piling on more and more stool into this very crowded full intestine. And it can cause a lot of pain and bloating and nausea and discomfort. Um, and, actually make people feel worse and actually make the constipation harder to treat because now whatever remedy you're trying to introduce has to kind of blow through five feet of like a wall of stool instead of sort of like a more modest amount of stool. And so it can, more fiber making the problem worse should signal to you that you should be seeing um, a doctor to, to explore what's going on. Wow. You do have a way of painting vivid images for us, Tamara. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> So if you suspect or actually have confirmed that pelvic floor dysfunction is part of the issue, what fixes that? 
Yeah, so the, it depends on the type of pelvic floor dysfunction, but for many or probably most types of pelvic floor dysfunction, some form of pelvic floor physical therapy, uh, which may or may not include a modality called biofeedback, is kind of the gold standard. There are other types of interventions that are more directed towards sort of dysfunctional anal sphincter muscles, like things that are kind of too tight um, or in rare cases, not rare, but like not commonly like certain types of surgeries that people may need to have. But for most people, it's, it's a physical therapy slash biofeedback situation. When your space has the long lasting, noticeable scent of Airwick vibrant scented oils, you'll want to invite everyone over from book club to the fantasy league, even the in-laws. It smells amazing. Airwick Vibrant Scented Oils are infused with two times more natural essential oils versus regular Airwick Scented Oils for our most authentic, nature-inspired fragrance experience. Hmm. Transform your space with scents like white sage and mahogany or lavender and water lily. Now that's a breath of fresh Airwick. So if someone is struggling with this, what is the sign that they need to seek medical help? You know, is it a certain number of bowel movements a week or a certain number of days between bowel movements? What's the cutoff for when it's time to seek help? Yeah. I mean, look, apart from like alarm symptoms, right? Like if there's like a lot of blood in your stool all of a sudden, or you're losing weight or you're having nutritional deficiencies. I mean, those are kind of the alarm symptoms that everybody should go see a doctor. Um, but just in general, if you kind of have this chronic constipation where you kind of go, it's never enough, you skip days, you're kind of miserable. You know, my advice is if it is impacting your quality of life to the extent that you spend a sizable percentage of your day thinking about pooping, and, you know, praying to the gods that you will poop and contorting your day and your lifestyle and your behaviors, waking up two hours early to try to poop. If you've really kind of, if it's occupying that mind share, um, you might want to get some help. I mean, people who are regular never think about whether they poop today or not, or whether they're going to poop or where they're going to be if they need to poop. They just either poop or they don't poop and they feel fine. And when they have to go, they just go. Um, and if you're really like, if it's occupying so much of your mind share that it's impacting your quality of life, you should try to get some help. Absolutely. And just the knowledge that there can be structural and functional issues that are part of this. It's not only a matter of how much fiber you're eating maybe that would also embolden people. Like there can be more solutions. Yeah, there's so many solutions. <laughs> well, speaking of solutions, there are a lot of over-the-counter products in drugstores for constipation that people can access very easily, and they may find that those work. But is that a problem if people require those kinds of products in order to maintain some sort of regular bowel function? Is that in and of itself a sign that they need to seek medical help? I mean, not necessarily. I mean, like the stuff that you can get at a drugstore is, you know, really safe, um, especially when you're using it at the doses that are listed on the box, right? And so, you know, they're kind of these three categories of um 
aids that you can find at a drugstore. So one is a category called osmotic laxatives. These are laxatives that work by osmosis. They draw water into the bowel by introducing some sort of molecule that your body can't absorb and it just kind of attracts water. So these are things like Miralax as far as the -the over-the-counter drugs or magnesium, which can be in an over-the-counter drug like Milk of Magnesia, which uh, each capsule is 500 milligrams. So people might take, you know, one to two of those um, or just regular old magnesium taken in doses of 400 to say about a thousand. These are osmotic laxatives. They're safe for long-term use. They just draw water into the bowel. There's another category called stimulant laxatives. And these are things that actually cause the the bowel wall to contract and move things along. And in the -the over-the-counter drug uh, category. This is something like um, a Dulcolax or a Bisicodal. Um, and in the herbal supplement category, it's Asena. Um, and, you know, when you take these products at the listed dose, which is usually one to two pills, again, really safe for, even for long-term use. And then you've got the fiber supplements, like the bulking fibers that work by kind of, you know, sucking up water and creating these nice bulky fat stools that are easy to pass and they don't get hard and dried out. And these are things like psyllium husk and, and fiber con, which is calcium polycarbophil. And, uh, and those again are, are safe, uh, also for long-term use with the caveat for all of these things being that they're safe for long-term use when you use them in the listed doses. If you start to use something like a stimulant laxative, like a Dolcolax, instead of taking two per day, you're taking eight or 10 or 12 per day. That is no longer necessarily a safe thing to be doing. Or if you're kind of hitting up against that upper limit of magnesium, which is around, you know, 1,000, 1,200, really maximum 1,500, and you're still not going and feel like you need more, you know, you should probably qualify for something, a stronger prescription and, and be talking to somebody about that. Or a different type of therapy, potentially. Exactly. A different type of therapy. Some people don't respond well to osmotic laxatives and they do much better with a stimulant laxative. Um, and some people do okay with an osmotic laxative, but once they hit up against that upper limit, they're, they're like, oh, I'm like 70% there, but uh, there's still that 30% and maybe they would layer on either a stimulant at a half dose or maybe like a fiber supplement on top of it. And so you can definitely mix and match these safe over-the-counter options in their um, listed doses to kind of cobble together a bowel regimen that really gets you the results that you're looking for. And if you're really hitting up against maximums and not getting relief with any of these products, you should absolutely be talking to doctors. They have so many options available to them um, that are prescription. Well, just the knowledge that we can use more than one of these products together safely, you know, that because they work in different ways, it may take two or three of them kind of working together to be a full result and that these are actually okay to use on a long-term basis. Because I think a lot of people feel like, I don't want to get dependent on this, or if I need this every day to go, then that is not okay. Yeah, you know, I think that there's kind of a conflation between being dependent on something and developing a tolerance to it. You know, I think a lot of people are afraid of developing a tolerance. Oh, if I start using, you know, 500 milligrams of magnesium, like after two weeks, my body's going to get used to it. I'm going to need 700 and then 800 and then I'm going to have to keep going up and up and up. And none of the laxatives that I've described are 
um, tolerance forming. In other words, if you hit that dose that works for you, like that's going to be your dose. It's like your body doesn't get weaker and stop working on its own once you start using these. When you stop using them, you're going to be left with your same lousy baseline bowel function, whatever that was, no better, no worse. Um, and this idea that, you know, once you know that you're not going to develop a tolerance to it, I also think some people, you know, feel like, I don't know, like a failure that like, oh, like why should I have to be dependent on this thing? Like, why can't I just eat a healthy diet and do it naturally? And, and I'm like, you know what? Cause your body doesn't work that way. Like you've done everything that you can do naturally. You're eating the fiber, you're doing the exercise, you're drinking the water. Your body's not responding adequately to that. And so the question is, your body is telling us that it is dependent on some sort of a tool to keep you regular and keep you feeling your best. The question is whether you're kind of willing to to provide that tool for your body on an ongoing basis and feel good, or whether you're going to punish yourself and punish your body for misbehaving and not being the body that you want it to be and refusing to use something that's really safe and really helpful because you feel like you like it's unfair that the universe made you have to. Um, and if you can kind of like, you know, just wrap your head around like, look, some bodies are different. Some bodies are just slow. Some bodies are just wonky in that way. Um, and accept help from these really incredibly like safe, affordable, um, kind of cheap and cheerful solutions for many people, you know, you can get a great quality of life back um, in most cases. I think that's enormously reassuring. And it really kind of goes to some widespread misconceptions and misunderstandings about how these tools can be used. But maybe let's turn our attention back a little bit towards dietary management. It may not be the entire solution, but as you said, it is often part of the solution, but it's not just about eating more fiber. I mean, you have whole sections in the book dedicated to the differences between different sources of fiber and how they work differently. And that you may really, in the same way that you might need to come up with a customized bowel regimen in terms of AIDS, you may also need to arrive at a sort of customized fiber prescription that works for you without causing unwanted symptoms. Yeah, that's exactly right. There's a lot of kind of different categories of fiber and they have a lot of different properties. Some do a great job of kind of dissolving and holding onto water and gelling and some really can't absorb any water. Um, and like, you know, lettuce, right? Like that coarse, insoluble roughage type of fiber, it doesn't hold onto any water. And so it's more bulky, but it does a lousy job staying moist. Some fibers are really fermentable by the gut bacteria and can create a lot of gas and some are less fermentable and create less gas. And so, so, you know, because fiber has these different physical properties, it's always, you know, it, it can hit different bodies differently, right? And so in some cases, you're like, oh, I'm kind of constipated. Let me just eat more fiber and not give a second thought to where it's coming from and I can eat any more fiber in the world and I'll just be regular and that's great. And then there's some other people who, you know, might adopt, say, like a, a low-carb diet where they're, you know, not eating grains and fruits and things like that and they're eating more of the roughage type of fiber, the insoluble fiber, salads and nuts and berries and the skins and the leaves. Um, and they're eating tons of fiber and getting really constipated. And they're like, what is going on? I'm eating more fiber than I've ever eaten. Why am I more constipated? And when that happens, sometimes what we're really seeing is, hey, for some reason, when your body is really distorting the intake of that coarse fiber that doesn't absorb water well, what's happening is your stools are getting really hard and dried out and that's expressing itself in terms of constipation for you. Um, and so sometimes, you know, the balance of fiber and not just the amount of fiber can really make a difference in terms of 
you know, what's happening in the bathroom. And then the opposite side is some people eat a salad and nuts and berries and get horrible diarrhea from the same exact amount and type of fiber. And so sometimes you can't always predict how different fiber is going to hit your body, which is why the the personalization really is so important because the high fiber diet that helps your trainer stay regular or your sister stay regular might give you horrible diarrhea or make you feel awful or constipated. And so you really have to use your own body and its own reactions to different types of fiber and different amounts of fiber as the, as the guidance as to what's the right fiber balance for you personally. Well, and that's why we needed a whole book and not just an article or a pamphlet. <laughs> and you've really created such a comprehensive reference and solution or tool for people. I mean, this book includes diagnostic quizzes and symptom journals and a lot of sample meal plans to show how people could put these various fiber balance regimens into practice. And I especially love the fact that your meal plans include one column for people who cook and another column for people who don't, written like a true New Yorker. Absolutely. I have a lot of patients who have never even turned on their stove. So, you know, you've got to make sure that people have access to healthy choices, even if they're going to be ordering out or buying prepared foods. Right. And I feel like that category of folks gets underserved in a lot of conversations about optimizing health and nutrition, because it's assumed that if you're going to do that, you've got to start grinding your own flour and, you know, <laughs> cooking every meal from scratch. And people who, for whatever reason, out of preference, out of necessity, do rely more on prepared and processed foods, feel like they're completely excluded from that conversation. Yeah, exactly. I think that there's a lot of ways to find a healthy diet in general and specifically like a, a balanced fiber diet that works for your body. And, you know, I work with the patient that's sitting in front of me, not, you know, this sort of like hypothetical textbook patient who can cook three meals a day. And if you aren't going to cook or you can't cook or you order in dinner every single night, we can find solutions for you and, you know, you can still get results and without necessarily having to like devote your whole life to cooking just to be able to poop. <laughs> well said. And I should also point out for listeners that the book is not solely about constipation. It really runs the entire spectrum of bowel health. So it also addresses various types and causes of diarrhea and how to manage those. And it can be found in all of the major bookstores, I always like to put in a plug for independent bookstores. If you have an opportunity to support your local or online independent bookstore, please do so. But if you want to go find Tamara online to thank her for her book, you can find her on Twitter. She's at Tamara Duker. That's D-U-K-E-R. Over on Instagram, she's at Tamara Freuman, F-R-E-U-M-A-N. And if you can't remember how to spell all of her different last names, you can always find her and everything else on her website, which is thebloatedbellywhisperer.com. Tamara, thank you as always for coming and setting us straight and helping us stay regular. And perhaps we could close with the definition of a word. Now, I don't know if you made this up. Did you make up the word pooforia? I think I might have. I thought you might have. And this is in the very beginning of the book. And in case you don't have the book in front of you, Tamara, I'm just going to read it for everyone. Pooforia is what we all have to look forward to after we read Tamara's book. And it's defined this way, a feeling of elation and inner peace following completion of an easy to pass and fully relieving bowel movement. 
I feel certain that's going to be Merriam-Webster's word of the year for 2023. Oh gosh, dare to dream, Monica, from your mouth to God's ears. Okay, Tamara, we'll see you back next time. I hope it's not too long. Take care. Thanks for having me.